0: Amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Welcome to our service this morning. Our Palm Sunday service. I have a couple of questions, rhetorical questions, you don't have to answer. But why do we even have palms in our hand at this time? And, and why? In Jerusalem, did they cut down these palm branches and lay them at the feet of Jesus as he walked into the city? Why were they shouting, Hosanna? And what does that even mean? Why were they calling him the King of Israel? Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 12. We're going to read verses 9 to 21. I'll be reading out of the CSB. And this morning's sermon is called, Look, Your King is Coming. The Word of God reads this way. Then a large crowd of Jews learned he was there. And they not only not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. The next day, when The large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Just as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion, look. Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Meanwhile, the crowd which have been with them when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Father, that is our prayer. We want to see Jesus. We we do wave palm branches. We do shout Hosanna. We proclaim you as king. You are king. You are king of Israel. You are king of the universe. You are God. We ask this day, Lord, as we consider what these passages say, Lord, that you would do a deep work in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that your word never returns to you void. It always accomplishes what you send it to do. We thank you that your word has power. We thank you that your word is nourishment to us, Lord. And we ask that you would give us our daily bread this day. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That last verse we just read in John twelve twenty one uh, says, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Uh, Here I have a a plaque that says, Sir, we, we wish to see Jesus, which is from another translation. But that is there to remind us whoever comes up here and preaches the word of God, what this is about. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. That is the agenda of anyone who comes up here. And, and I got to ask you, what is your agenda? What, why are you here this morning? When we consider the text we just read, there were many reasons why the people were there and, and all having different agendas. The the Jewish people would come every year, a couple of times a year, but specifically for the holiest day of their calendar was the Passover. And and they would make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem to commemorate what God had done. It was estimated that over 2 million people would end up in that place in, in this time. And them coming to celebrate the Passover was a beautiful thing because what they were commemorating is God freeing them, the Jewish people, from Egyptian slavery was actually a foreshadow of Jesus freeing his people from sin. The text says that the next day, when the large crowd had come, they had come to this festival, they were satisfying uh, what they had satisfied since they were children, uh, coming and taking care of their religious obligations, coming and in, in meeting and sacrificing and spending time together as a community that had known the Lord, and it was their custom, every. Just like we saw when Jesus was a child, how they would bring him to Jerusalem for the Passover. So this was this observance, and and their agenda was to come together for this. But there were other people there for different reasons. It it said in verse 9 that a large crowd had also come to see Jesus, and not only Jesus, but to see Lazarus the one he had raised from the dead. This was a a dead man walking again. And they wanted to see the miracle worker and also the one who was this miracle. And then we see that the disciples were there as well these were Jesus's close followers those that would be with him wherever he went and they weren't the only groups of people there but you also had the religious leaders of course they were there they were the ones who were in charge of the temple and all the worship there and they were the religious group of that day but they also came and were there with an agenda. Even as they were fulfilling their religious obligations, they had an agenda. They view Jesus as an obstacle. They they, they view Jesus as a problem. They view Jesus as a hindrance. Uh, They wanted Jesus removed. And, and, And that is not so different than many people even today. And at the end of that verse, it speaks about the Greeks also being there and coming to Philip and saying, sir, we want to see Jesus. There are always inquiring minds because people can't get Jesus off of their hands, out of their mouth or out of their minds. You're going to be confronted with who is this Jesus? And they wanted to to know. And the question remains, What is your agenda? Because agendas matter. Uh, All of those people were there. Um, They saw what was going on. They observed the tabernacle and the the temple and the things that were going on there and uh, maybe uh, went about their religious duties there. That doesn't mean that they all walked away satisfying their right relationship with God because it still comes back to agenda it still comes back to motivation it still comes back to the heart condition why are they doing what they doing what they're doing becomes the question and a lot of that is based on how our thinking is shaped what is it that shapes your thinking it said when this um, large crowd had come and, and they saw uh, Jesus there and, and Lazarus who was being raised, who was raised from the dead, um, they deserted the religious leaders and they started believing in Jesus. So what shape shaped those religious leaders thinking they wanted to get rid of them? They wanted to, to kill not only him, but even his witness. They wanted things to go back to the way they used to be. And then you had this large crowd of people. And this crowd of people, three things took place. They laid these palm branches at Jesus' feet as he's walking through as he's coming through on this donkey and they're shouting, Hosanna. And then they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. What what do these things mean? Well, palm branches became a symbol in Israel some couple of hundred years Uh, before that, and it symbolized military victory. It it, it symbolized triumph. In between the the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, although it's not recorded, history was still happening. Things were still taking place. Uh, Jerusalem is one of the places that's been invaded so many times over the course of history, and it was invaded by a group of people, and they desolated the temple. And the people were suffering for a long period of time. In uh, that time is, is where we have uh, another festival that came along that even the Festival of Lights that's still, still celebrated today. And what happened in, in this time is a, a group of people raised up and started to resist those that had occupied Jerusalem at that time, of uh, the Maccabees, and they outed those that were there. And when that happened, there was a great celebration with music and with singing, with the laying, waving of these palm branches. So when this is being done, as Jesus comes, and they are under the rule of Rome, their thought in waving these branches is, victory is going to come. Triumph is here. Jesus has come to change what's going on here. And, and they're yelling Hosanna. Hosanna means save now. There was this desire for the occupation to end and for them to be restored to their past glory, to for military action to take place and, and for life to look the way they desired it to look. So so they're waving these branches, they're shouting Hosanna, and then they're calling out a king of Israel. Now, we know that later, uh, along in the week, Jesus is called the king of the Jews, and the religious leader says, we have no king but Caesar. So for them to even shout out, that he was the king of Israel would be a problem. In John 19, it says that then they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. And he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side of him with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put it on the cross. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write king of the Jews but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. So so you have all of these people, and Jesus enters Jerusalem, and they're cutting down these palm branches. They're shouting, Hosanna. They're proclaiming him to be the king. But they wanted their king and they wanted their Messiah to look the way they wanted him to look. We, we, we often do that ourselves. We, we formulate in our minds who we want God to be. But this is what the text says. Jesus found a young donkey, which him riding on that donkey symbolized peace. He sat down on it just as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming. That's, that's, the, that's the text from the Old Testament that's being read here, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and what was done, these things were done to him. And meanwhile, the crowd, which had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead. uh, Imagine this, right before this, this, this event takes place, and it actually symbolizes that Jesus has power over death that it would be defeated once and for all the fact that he had raised Lazarus from the dead it said they continued to testify about that this is also why the crowd met him because they heard and had that he had done these signs Jesus was God's king come to save his people in Jerusalem to fulfill his mission unlike anyone had envisioned. They didn't view him that way. Not even his disciples understood. It says later they understood these things because this is not the picture of the Messiah that the people had in mind. They had crafted in their own imaginations what God would look like, what the Messiah would be. They wanted him to come in riding on a stallion and driving out Rome. Instead, he came in humility. Instead, he came in meekness. He, he failed to give them what they wanted. So what happened? The cheers turned into jeers by the end of the week just a couple of days later, they'd be screaming for his blood. They came to Jesus with their own agenda, with their own demands, and they were disappointed when they didn't get what they wanted and things didn't go the way they wanted it to go. The thing is, he did so much more than they could ever ask for or think. What what he did wasn't temporal, it was eternal. If if it was not for him doing something eternal at that moment, it would just be another thing in history and we'd be paying it no mind. We, We wouldn't even know this story. But they were disappointed. They were let down because they had an expectation on who God had to be and how their demands had to be met. That's not an accusation against them today as much as it's a lesson for us. Sometimes we fall victim to that. But what we need to recognize today, just like what they needed to recognize back then, he's better than anything you could possibly want. In John chapter 12, a couple of verses down from where we were reading in verse 31, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out as for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And he said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. What the crowds wanted, what people want today, is for their current situation to be changed. When the issue is so much greater than that and their deeds and their needs are so much greater than the comforts or the trials that they go through today these are eternal matters that we're talking about here you cannot build your own savior and we often do that we can call them by the right name we can even read the right book And often we still have this process of editing what the Bible says if we read it at all and build our own Savior in our own mind. We can't do that. This is a blatant example of that. What they wanted and what they had in mind and what they envisioned about God was different than who he is. So they rejected him. A couple of verses down in John 12 and verse 44, Jesus cries out, the one who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I, don't, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my saying has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. God's saying, I am who I am. You may ask, why why do I need a savior? To save me from what? I'm a good person. Me me and God have an understanding. He 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 knows he knows my heart. Jesus said, The one who rejects me doesn't receive. My saying has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. We cannot build our own savior. He cannot be our imagination and what we desire and what we want and and think that we're relating to the one true God. There are many on the last day that are going to stand before him and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you much more than going to the right religious events and going through these religious processes. Those two-plus million people were there to sacrifice at the temple. But their hearts were shown And full display by their actions. So we could sing, we could come to church, we could say, Praise the Lord, we can open our Bible. But transformation is a whole nother matter. Our hearts must be changed, and it will reflect. What's really going on on the inside? What's your agenda? What, what is it that in your mind that has brought you to a place where you, I'm going to do it this way? We, we, we are called to do it his way. We are called to follow what the word of God says. Bible says that in Luke chapter 19, now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles he had done. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace and heaven and glory the highest. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they're to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Catch this part. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it, saying, If you knew this day, what would bring peace? That's it right there. If you knew this day, what would bring peace? We want all of these temporal things. We want... Hard situations to be alleviated. Who wants to stay in a hard situation? But we have to understand how a need is much greater and deeper than that. And even what God is allowing in our lives, He's doing something with that. Them being under Roman occupation, all the things that took place there, God was doing something in those people corporately and individually. No different from us. But the reason Jesus cried there is because he said, if you knew what it is, I would bring you peace. You can come up, worship team. was going to bring that peace. Peace is one of those things things that are outward and inward. It, It starts outwardly because the first person we have to have peace with is God. And that's why Jesus came. The people were viewing these other things as the major issue, but the major issue was, is your heart right with God? And Jesus came to make a way for that to happen. In John 1, 29, it said, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world hundreds of years before that in isaiah 53:7 the bible says he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter like sheep silent before her shearers he did not open his mouth first peter 1 starting at verse says, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors. You were redeemed not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The Jews traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The all-merciful God who had the angel of death pass over their homes that had the blood smeared on their doorposts of their homes. The shed blood of that lamb provided substitutionary payment for their sins because the wages of sinners' death. Here today, we need not travel to Jerusalem to celebrate substitutionary atonement. Jesus made it on behalf of himself. He did it for those who put their faith in him. And we remember what Jesus has done by celebrating the Lord's table. That that week ushered in him coming into what he was called to do. In that same text, he says, I, I, I've been called to do this. John has 21 chapters. We're at chapter 12. He's coming in to Passion Weekend, and the rest of that gospel speaks about that last week, because it so signifies who God truly is. That event shows us the love that he has for us. We're going to take communion at this time. I'll ask the leaders to come up to serve the communion. We remember his sacrifice at the Lord's table, but that is for those that have put their trust in him. So when we call up the rows, the ushers will go row by row. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I ask that you would refrain. The Bible is really clear that this is for his children. And maybe by the end of this service, you would be in a position to do that. But at this time, would you hold off from that? Because the Bible tells us whoever eats or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. But for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and have fallen asleep. If you are a child of God, even if you're struggling, come to his table. Make it right with him as you sit back in your seat and reflect on a song that's being sung, pray to the Lord. This is a privilege that we're able to come to the Lord's table as his children, as a family. It's a holy time. Specifically, as we think about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, closing out his ministry and doing the greatest thing in history, that these thousands of years later we're speaking about it and celebrating it because of what it means for us, what it means for eternity. So would you come?